What a morning, eh? I, I, I found myself, I think I used the words of John Wesley here, strangely moved by the worship. You know, there was something about worshipping Jesus today and, and, and his taking us through unexpected and difficult times that actually, it may not have spoken to you, but it really impacted me. And John Wesley said he felt his heart straight and strangely warmed when he was uh, there. Um, and uh, that, I think that's how I felt this morning. And then, then we've got the news on the building. Praise God. I've got to preach after this. <laughs> oh, dear me. We are still in Philippians. We're in Philippians chapter 3. And uh, the words coming up on the screen for you. Okay. Philippians 3. Further, uh, older translations put finally there. I'm not even sure further is, is the most appropriate word, but that's, that's the technical stuff that I love and bores you to death. <laughs> <laughs> Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks that they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless but whatever were gains to be to me I now consider loss for the sake of Christ what is more I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I've lost all things I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Powerful words there. You know, when I was this high <laughs> I was this high once <laughs> my, 
My parents had, now here's something, they had some 78 RPM records. Oh, <laughs> there's blank on some people's faces. <laughs> and there's some nodding heads. <laughs> you show your age, don't you? 78 revolutions per minute. Yep. And they were on a shellac. And the trouble is, if you dropped them, they broke. Anyway, they had some of these. And I used to play these records on a, hang on, a wind-up gramophone. <laughs> <laughs> It was ancient even then. <laughs> and it, one of the, two or three of the records were, were by a pianist, a lady from Trinidad called Winifred Atwell. Oh, oh yes, some, something. Never heard about that. Actually, if you looked up uh, black history, you, you'd find her name quite easily. Uh, but she, she was very popular in the 50s and I think early 60s on the television, and she, she was a concert pianist. She'd been trained at the Royal Academy of Music, who, who played classical music on a grand piano, and then halfway through her act, went to her other piano, and then did boogie-woogie and all sorts of stuff, which was absolutely amazing. And apparently a young Elton John admired her. Okay. Why am I mentioning this? Well... One day, I hope there's not in here, I said, Alexa, play Winifred Atwell. And up she came. <laughs> and I was listening to this stuff and I thought, my, I haven't heard this for years and years and years and years. And I was listening to it and then suddenly I thought, hey, that was a wrong note. I kid you not. Yeah, I, I mean... It, I have to say that if things are out of tune, it brings tears to my eyes. It really does. And then I was listening to this stuff, and, and there was this wrong note, and it jarred me. And I thought, well, she she's a, was a brilliant pair. I looked at her on I've looked at her on YouTube since then. I mean, she absolutely amazing. She was, but there was this wrong note, and I thought, I wonder how they let that go through. We come to this passage in Paul, and it's been, rejoice, rejoice, you know, wonderful, great, everybody's rejoicing, etc. And then suddenly he says, watch out for the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a wrong note, doesn't it? Sounds like a discord. And what's going on here? It's been so joyful and, and great. And then suddenly, watch out for the dogs. What on earth is going on here? Well, Paul is worried. Uh, some people think that he, there he was dictating the letter. He didn't write letters himself. He, he dictated them to somebody else. Somebody else wrote them down. And then he gets news of trouble in, in Philippi. And so his letter changes all of a sudden. He's about to wrap up. He, he, he comes to the last things. Uh, but then, suddenly, he gets news. Now, that's, that's an old understanding of this. Actually, I don't think you need to have anything like that. Paul was worried that this church, over whom he could rejoice so much, he was encouraging them, but he was worried that there was going to enter in a false teaching 
that said you've got to be circumcised. Ladies, you would be lucky here, but <laughs> you've got to be circumcised to be a proper Christian. Or, and ladies, you're not left out of this, you've got to observe the Sabbath. That's not actually in Philippians, but that is what these people taught to be a proper Christian. Or, you've got to observe all sorts of food regulations. Otherwise, if you don't, you're not really a proper Christian. So, what sounds a long way from us actually can come home to us. Unless you do this, you're not a proper Christian. That's always a danger. You see, it's adding to what Jesus has done. It's almost saying the cross which we've sung about this morning so wonderfully, is not enough. But you've got to add this. So, Paul, I don't think the danger was perhaps totally there in Philippi at that point, but Paul was worried. He knew it could come. So he says, watch out for the dogs. Well, let's, let's go through. So, even in all of this, we can see the greatest joy. Our passage starts off before this interruption with rejoice. Why does he say to the Philippians rejoice? Why? He says it's a safeguard for you. If you want to be guarding yourself against error and wandering off into irrelevancies, rejoice in the Lord. Now it's not the only thing that you have to do, but when we rejoice in the Lord, when we fix our attention on him, when we worship him with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, when we're together singing his praises, focusing on Jesus, we're less likely to stray away from him. It's not the only guarantee, but it helps. And Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. It's a safeguard for you. Oh, that's one reason why, why we should worship. Worship the Lord Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. For your glory and your fame. It guards us. That's the first point. Very simple. Guards against error. And then we come to the interruption, the discord. Watch out for the dogs, he says. Now, we were with friends last night and they have this lovely dog called Alfie. I'm not sure what breed Alfie is, but he loves women. <laughs> and all the men he growls at. <laughs> so I think I got his trust by the end of the evening. But, you know, you just move and you go... <laughs> we're soppy about dogs. But people in Paul's day weren't. To the Jews particularly, dogs were unclean animals. They were scavengers. So when Paul is saying, watch out for the dogs, he is being insulting to these people. He says, 
watch out for the dogs. He said, those, and I mean, he uses really quite unguarded expressions here. Not very pleasant. And there he said, don't allow them to come in and, and say this to you. Why? Because they'll try and persuade you that you're not really the true people of God. But we are. We are. We are the true circumcision, he says. We are, we don't, the people of God. We don't need external things. God has broken into our lives. He's called us. He's rescued us. We belong to Jesus. We are the people of God. And you don't need any extras to prove that. I am so grateful. I can remember, and I know I've mentioned this dear lady before, my, my Auntie Fanny, what's her name, used to imply that unless you kept Sunday and didn't play with toys or whatever, you weren't a proper Christian. Thank God I know that that is rubbish which is eventually a word that Paul uses. All it needs is Jesus. All we need is Jesus. That doesn't mean to say we haven't got things to do to be obedient, obey and walk with him. Of course we have. But nothing, nothing, nothing can add to what Jesus has done. We are the true people of God. And that is an amazing privilege. We, Paul says, of course we are. We serve and minister, serve or minister by the Spirit. Older versions of the NIV have the word worship. That's probably not quite right. But what, what Paul means here is that you have the Spirit, I have the Spirit, together we, we, we serve God in the power of the Spirit. And I believe that the Spirit was moving amongst us this morning. And he wants to move even more powerfully amongst us. We are those who have the Spirit. Don't need anything else. We have enough. Paul says we glory in Jesus. He's the centre of all that we do. That's what the people of God is all about. It's all about Jesus. We're hearing a lot about Jesus this morning. Why? It's all about him. It really is. Oh, this building. I'm so excited. I, I just feel it in my spirit. But let me tell you this, the building isn't an answer to anybody's problems. The building won't auto automatically guarantee that we will grow. It won't. Because it's not all about buildings. You know what it's about. It's all about... Uh, the enthusiasm overwhelms me. <laughs> It's not about buildings, as good as they are, and as fantastic a job as Peter 
has done, is doing, and I know will do. It's all about Jesus. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> so we have no confidence, really, in who we are and what we are and whatever. Paul says, I haven't got any confidence in myself. And he, you know, where we... We can't have a confidence in buildings. We cannot have confidence in our own ability. We cannot have confidence in, even in our own gifting and ministry because if we rely on ourselves, we will hit the buffers. And that will be it. I, re I remember seeing that happen to a, a, a a church that really wanted to reach its community for Jesus. This is some years ago. And they decided they needed a building. But the building became so large in their thinking that didn't just be, become the means, it became the end. And when they got, to the, got the building, the church had almost gone. That's just a little warning. But I think it's right. And Paul says, we're not going to trust in ourselves. We're not going to trust in this, in this. And he says, anyway, if, if anybody had, had any cause to boast, it's me. I think grammatically I should have said, it is I, but that sounds... <laughs> We cannot trust either in our past, in our status, our position, or anything. Because you hit the buffers. Paul, you know, Paul. Paul says, if anybody's got cause to boast, I have. He says, look, he said, I was circumcised on the eighth day, which means I came from a faithful family. Some of us came from Christian families. We personally can't trust in that. Hear me. He said, I was of the people of Israel. I'm not an incomer. I was actually born an Israelite. I'm on the inside from the beginning. Yeah, I've been to church all my life. I must be in. Have you ever made a commitment? Well, what do you want my commitments for? I go to church and I'm faithful and I give, me, give in my collection. Yeah, Paul says, I'm, I'm in. I'm in from the beginning. He said, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Oh, it's getting even better. My pedigree is getting even better here. I am from the tribe that produced the first king of Israel. And what was his name? Saul. And what was my name? Saul. Oh, I mean, you can't get any better than that. We'll forget that Saul went off the rails, but uh, <laughs> you, you can't get any better than that. And which tribe stayed loyal to Judah when the nation split? Benjamin. Ah, my pedigree is superb. 
so I am clearly a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I am an upstanding member of society. Hmm. In regard to the law, oh, you know, we thought we'd reached the top, but we've actually got higher to go. In regard to the law, a Pharisee! My goodness! I'm one of the elite, says Paul. The most faithful, the most rigorous. One of the elite. In regard to zeal, persecuting the church. I was so, so sold out for Judaism, for my faith, that I, I, I persecuted Jesus' people. And as for legal, legalistic, following the law, totally faultless. You couldn't do better than I did. What an amazing thing. And he says, that's rubbish. That is rubbish compared to what I've gained in Jesus. Wow. Do you know that makes us all the same before God? Whether you were a high-flying, pharisaical Jew or the thief dying on the cross before God, you're the same. You know, joining in prayers for Ukraine, there's been a lot of prayer to get rid of Putin from Russia. I don't know whether God's going to do that or not. I really don't know. There's been a lot of implication that this guy is evil. But I tell you what, he's a sinner. And hold on to your hats, folks. So are you. Or you were until you met Jesus. Now, you're someone who's been rescued by the grace of God. But we're all equal before God. That doesn't seem fair, does it? After all, we're much better than him. Or her. And God says no. There's no one righteous, not one. There's no one who stands in a right relationship with me by themselves, no one. In the world's eyes, you may be very, very good, and we, you know, thank God for that. But ultimately, our own righteousness, rightness, before God is like wearing dirty clothes. doesn't seem fair does it and yet actually it's the most fair thing because all of us know that without Jesus without his rescuing of us our thoughts our deeds even the things that we count good separates us from God because he's holy and pure perfection 
all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all the same. Because only through faith in Jesus can be righteous, which in this passage has the real emphasis of being in a right relationship with God. But doesn't it also make the good, the good news really good news? Whoever you are, whether you're from the deepest depths or you think you're the most upright in society, you need Jesus and he's willing to save. He's willing to rescue. So we reject all of that, says Paul. And we resolve to know Christ. It's all about you, Jesus. We keep coming back to that. Do, we do just keep coming back to it. It's all about him. Paul says, I want to know him. And it looks as if he then wants to know three things. He wants to know Christ, and he wants to know resurrection power, and he wants to know the participation in Jesus' sufferings. Actually, no. The way this should probably be understood is this. If we really know Jesus, we will know the power of his resurrection, and we need to press on to know more. And if we really know Jesus we will find ourselves sharing in his suffering. Let's, let's just look at that. To know the power of his resurrection. Do you know this is the only place in the New Testament where this is spoken of? Paul usually talks about the power of the Holy Spirit. But doesn't that help our understanding? That the power of the Spirit that you need, that I need, is the power that was displayed when Jesus was raised from the dead. Wow! Think of that. You know, Messiah all alone in his grave as we sing. Messiah bound, the stone rolled across, and then the power of God intervened. That's the power we can know in Jesus. That is the power I need. And that's the power I need to be able to walk on the waters that we sang. You know, when oceans rise, when the way gets difficult, when I'm, when I'm wanting to know what is God's will for my life, and I hope I'm speaking for you here as well, we need to know the power of the Spirit, the power that we see in Jesus rising from the dead. Oh, isn't that incredible? That that is the power we can know. God, I don't think I've begun. But you see, there's no resurrection without death just think about it how can I know resurrection if I haven't died it 
we don't add anything. Don't, please, don't think that we add anything to what Jesus did on the cross. We don't. There's nothing more that we can do because Jesus did it all. But we can share and we will share in, in something of what he feels, of what he go, went through because of the sin, the, the evil, the state of the world. I don't know how you feel about the war in Ukraine. I feel a little guilty that I didn't feel it about what happened in Syria. That's being honest. Why didn't I get so worked up about the war in Syria where the same things that are happening in Ukraine happened and are still happening? And when a friend of ours says, yeah, my wider family escaped from Aleppo. And she feels it and I don't. But I do feel it about Ukraine. I feel it for the people that somehow or other we're getting to know, albeit online. And you think, God, do something. And it's an agony. And I don't think that's scratching really the, hardly the surface of what it means to participate with Jesus in this. But I think if we do really begin to feel it, then we'll sense something of what Jesus felt. Just a minute bit. So let's resolve to know Jesus more and more. And we will know ultimate res resurrection. Paul, Paul says somehow, does he think he's not going to get to the final resurrection? Doesn't mean that. He's not quite sure how it will happen to him. Not that it will happen. He's confident that it will. And thank God it will. That whatever is going on in this world, whatever we face, whatever you guys face, whatever I face, however God leads me, whatever the waters we have to walk on are, what, whatever problems we have to deal with, whatever God's will is for us individually and as church, whatever it's going to lead to, ultimately, who gets the final victory? It's Jesus. We're on the winning side, folks. We know the end of the story, as has often been said, when there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. So it's all about you, Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord. And again I say, rejoice. Hey, oh, that was good. Re rejoice in the Lord. And again I say, rejoice. Oh, amen to that. <laughs> Remember who you are. We are the people of God. That is an amazing privilege to be God's people. Let's reject any confidence that we have in what we are or what we can do. Thank God he wants to use us to do things. But let's not rely on our own strength.
but rely on him. And let's, even as we pursue a, a building, resolve to know Jesus more and more. Yeah? Yeah. Because knowing you, Jesus, to quote an old renewal song, knowing you, Jesus, there's no greater thing than that. Let's pray. Lord, I, I, I think I'd like you to stand. Yeah, you don't have to, but, but yeah, you don't have to. Um, I just, just by our standing, Lord, I just want us to affirm together that we're not always going to make it. We know all about that. But in these moments, we want to say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to know him more. And I want to know the power of his resurrection. And yes, to participate in his suffering like that. But Lord, we just, just now say, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, help us to follow you. And Lord, thank you for what you're doing. It's really exciting. But help us not to lose sight of the fact. And I'm going to say it for the umpteenth time this morning. It's all about you, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen.